So our second scripture reading this morning comes uh, from St. Paul's letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, and we have reason to believe that this was the last of Paul's letters that he wrote during his ministry. So here now God's word for you this morning. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. Amen. All right, so it's time to take a little trip, each and every one of us. And some of us will have to travel a little further than others. But I want you to picture in your mind's eye the six or seven or eight-year-old you. Brooke and Mackenzie, you don't have to go that far. Are you there? Now, I want you to picture this younger you that you have just conjured up from the recesses of your mind, and I want you to put yourself in the midst of a game of hide-and-go-seek. Or perhaps you can picture yourself playing a game of kick-the-can, or maybe, just maybe, you're about to play the quintessential youth group game, Sardines. Imagine your surroundings. Where are you? Are you inside or outside? Maybe in your home or a friend's home. Perhaps you are outdoors in your neighborhood. Maybe you find yourself playing in the schoolyard. How about the dark, spooky church? Who are you playing with? Is it family? Maybe siblings or cousins or your super cool aunt? Perhaps you're playing with classmates or friends from the neighborhood. Now that you've got your surroundings and you can picture those with whom you are playing, guess what? You are it. So you huddle yourself into the corner of a room or if you're outdoors, you turn your back on the playing area and for good measure, you need to cover your eyes. And then, the countdown begins. Now the size of your playing area will probably determine how high you have to count. Maybe if you're in a smaller indoor space, you only count to 30 or 50. And maybe if you're playing outdoors, you might have to count all the way up to 100 in order to give others a chance to find a sufficient height. 
So there you are. Huddled in a corner, hands over your eyes, and you're diligently counting out loud. At first, as you begin your count, your voice is probably at normal speaking level, and you're doing a pretty good job at counting at the pace. One, two, three, four. And at the beginning of your counting, it feels as if you're never going to get to that last number being 30 or 50 or 100. In the distance, you can hear feet scrambling, coupled with the not-so-hushed whispers and giggles of the playmates. As your excitement to enter the game grows, the pace of your counting quickens, almost as if matching the increase of the beating of your heart. 31, 32, 33, 34. Anyone else have to use the restroom yet? Or was that just me as a kid? Always without fail in the heat of the moment with such a game as hide and go seek, I would inevitably, inevitably have to use the restroom. So it's almost time. Your countdown is almost over. And as you get closer to that final number, not only is the counting getting faster, but your voice is getting louder, all for the benefit of your playmates. 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. And then you shout, ready or not, here I come. And you're off. Off into the thick of the game, whatever it may be, hiding the seat, kick the can, sardines, whatever. Because your little childhood self knows that games are much more fun when you're actively involved and playing with others. And with that involvement comes excitement and enthusiasm. There is nothing worse than having to watch a game from the sidelines. I remember one time in elementary school, I faked being sick one morning so that I would not have to go to school. Curious, anyone else do that? No, come on, thank you. Thank you, Jenna, and Kathy, okay. I was like, come on now, let's be honest, thank you. And my parents had a very strict rule that if you did go to school, you were not doing any afternoon activities. If you were too sick for school, you were too sick to play. So on this day, of course, by the afternoon, I was feeling so much better. The house I grew up in was situated on a cul-de-sac, which we simply call the circle. And my street was always full of kids my age. So the circle was always a perfect place to play because it had no route traffic, and it was always the gathering place for the neighborhood children. And my house sat right on the circle itself. I can still vividly remember at the end of that day that I faked being sick, standing at my front door and looking outside and watching all of my friends running around and playing outside after school and not being allowed to join in and be involved. Of course, no amount of begging and assuring my parents I was no longer sick was going to make them change their minds. 
and I'm pretty sure I learned a valuable lesson that day. It's never any fun being left out, and being involved is so much more satisfying. Regardless of the circumstances, it's always such a gift as a kid to be involved and included to participate with other children. And even as adults, I don't think that aspect of life has changed all that much. We are creatures designed for community and belonging, and it is in that environment in which we thrive. As a church community, we find ourselves in the midst of our 2022 stewardship campaign with the theme of, I'm all in. And this campaign has been about so much more than money. It's been about inspiring a community of faith to embrace the true message of Jesus Christ and applying that to our everyday lives. After all, Jesus is our ultimate example of what it means to be all in, just like Kelly pointed out to us in recent weeks. Jesus was all in for all of us in every aspect of his life, and he proved it by going to the cross on our behalf. You can't get much more all-in than that. So when we think, sit with that thought for a moment, that Jesus was simply all-in for us, now the next step is to figure out what to do with that knowledge. And how do we properly say thank you for that gift? This is what stewardship is all about. To take those blessings that we have received from God, whether it be our personal talents, our finances, our time, whatever, and send them back to where they came from as an acknowledgement of our gratitude. And each week within our stewardship theme, we have been focusing on a word or a couple of words that we have used to remind us of Jesus' nature and how we too, by his example, can influence the world around us as well. We kicked off our series by focusing on what it means to be invested and took a look at the early church and how through St. Peter's leadership, all of its members invested everything they had in order to share the good news of Jesus' resurrection. They invested their time, their finances, and their belongings sharing with anyone who had need investing in the well-being of those within their believing community, and especially in the well-being of those outside their community, those who needed saving and redemption the most. And they took risks, sometimes at the loss of their own lives, simply because they embraced the fact that Jesus had invested in them and the loss of their lives in sharing this news with others was worth the cost. Last week, we celebrated World Communion Sunday and we talked about Jesus' universal message of invitation and inclusion, and we were reminded that no matter who we are, no matter our past, no matter our current struggles, no matter our shame or our personal darkness, we are, without a doubt, included at Jesus' table, and we have been commissioned to share this message of inclusion with the world, and we have been commanded 
to invite others in. And today, if you haven't caught on by now, I want to talk about the attribute of involvement and what that means through the lens of stewardship. And once again, we'll be using a story from the early church as an example. As Dan already mentioned to you this morning, as he read from the book of Acts, this passage is often pointed to as the moment when, in our modern language, the care ministry or the deacon board of church was created. As the body of Christ grew, so did the needs among them. And they noticed that there was a faction of people that were being neglected simply because the leadership could not keep up with the demand. So the leadership gathered together and appointed other leaders to take on the responsibility of making sure that the widows among them were receiving their proper share in the distribution of taking food. The wise among them recognized a need that was not being properly addressed. So they set out to involve others in this particular ministry. And in the process, lives were saved, literally and spiritually. And as the passage closes, it states, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. They took a crucial moment to step back and to realize that they needed others to be involved in the ministry so that Christ's church could continue to grow and to thrive. And they took the steps necessary to make sure that this happened. For our particular congregation, we are so blessed that we operate within the structure of the Presbyterian Church and this structure, though certainly not without its flaws, is one of the things that attracted me and Kelly to serving in this denomination. The Presbyterian Church of the United States, in its purest form, was designed to be governed as a democracy and its ministries led by the people, and not through a hierarchy of pastors. Let me say that again. The ministries are led by the people and not through a hierarchy of pastors. Because we believe in the involvement of the laity in all aspects of ministry. And this particular community of faith, by the grace of God, has been blessed by the involvement of its members and driven by their ideas, their passions, and their commitment. In the past year and a half, I have been frequently asked the question, how is your church doing? And I have reveled in my response of saying, we are thriving. We are thriving in spite of all the challenges that COVID threw our way. And my friends, quite simply put, we are thriving because of each and every one of you. And by God's grace, and by our willingness to respond to the Holy Spirit moving in and through this place. However, however, there has also been a cost during this time. 
Just like the ministry of the early church that we heard about from Dan, as the community of faith grew, so did the needs. And that is the same for us. As our ministries thrive and grow, so do our needs. And one of the challenges in particular that COVID has presented to all of us in a myriad, is a myriad of mental and emotional and spiritual issues. And there are all sorts of labels that have been put on this. COVID fatigue, COVID fog, COVID malaise. We are all experiencing it. No one is immune. No organization or entity or industry is immune. Nor is the church universal, nor is Rosedale. And we're weary. The needs, my friends, are great. And Kelly and I have been doing our best to lead this congregation through this time of great thriving and great suffering. And like the apostles of the early church, we recognize that we cannot do this alone. And we recognize that there are indeed pockets of neglect. Yes, there are absolutely certain things that your pastors and your pastors alone should be attending to. But oftentimes we get bogged down in the administration and the minutia of day-to-day -day tasks within the life of the church. Tasks that could be accomplished by others. So this is where we need you and your involvement. This is where we need the entire body of Rosedale and a collective voice to say, I am all in, ready or not, here we come. And there is absolutely nothing too small or too great that each of us can do no job or responsibility within the kingdom is more or less important than any other. There is nothing too insignificant that anyone can do that isn't helpful to God. If God calls, if God equips, regardless of the task, how large or how small, your involvement is invaluable. And we need it desperately. Oftentimes we think that being involved, especially in the life of the, in the, within the life of the church, requires something grand and taking hours of our time, but it doesn't always have to be such things. If we take a look again at what St. Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Rome, we see a variety of ways in which we can become involved in the kingdom by taking care of others around us with just the smallest of gestures. Modern translations of the scriptures now include section headings, and this section that I read to you earlier is simply entitled, Love in Action. And when we choose to love, when we have made the choice to be involved in the lives of others, so when we are looking for those small, impactful ways in which to be involved in God's kingdom, we need to look no further than this passage. So yes, we need involvement. We need people to usher on Sunday. We need people to work in the nursery. We need people to help with our children's Sunday school. 
We need people to work our technology for worship. We need people to help make side dishes and serve at funeral luncheons. We need people to share the good news of the gospel on all of our social media platforms. We need people to serve food at a homeless shelter for vets. We need people to clean alleys and streets in Detroit. But we also need people to be involved by loving one another, to cling to what is good, to honor others above ourselves, to be hospitable and welcoming, to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. My goodness, we need people faithful in prayer. To rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. To live in harmony with one another. This is what it means to be involved through the act of love. A recent study conducted by the Barna Institute found a direct correlation between involvement and generosity. Those who are involved in something and are passionate about what they are doing will naturally lead towards being more generous, both with their time and their money to that particular cause. So today's call for each of us is to find our passion within the life of God's kingdom and to involve ourselves with the stewardship of our resources to that passion. And there is a blessing to be found in that. A blessing and a feeling of wholeness and completion within our spirits. And the blessing of purpose in knowing that we are in line with God's will. And conviction that our actions, no matter how great or how small, will make a difference. And there is a blessing to be involved in the beauty of life and the beauty of life all in for Christ. In what ministry, in what area, in what way are you set to say, ready or not, here I come. Please, do not leave this space today without some thought in mind as to how you will be more involved in serving the Lord and loving your neighbor. Because you are needed. Each and every one of you is needed to be all in. Amen.